Hello and welcome to Terrifying Robot Dog. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. And we're here to talk about how technology is changing the way we interact with the world. This week, we talk about the destruction of the wall between live action and animation. Please stay tuned. Terrifying Robot Dog is next. Follow up. Yeah, I'm about to learn how to animate that wall being destroyed. Nice. <laughs> Been learning Blender. Right. Not easy. It's wild to see. Uh, it's funny because both of us build interfaces, you know, mm-hmm. y- graphical user interfaces. And when you, and, you know, mostly for business stuff. And man, every time I go into a space where I need to, where I'm looking at like some kind of game creation UI, yeah. I'm like, man, what a bunch of wimps we are. <laughs> this is, you know, like, wow, you know, I'm struggling to come up with like an interface that work, you know, like a, a list interface that works on an iPhone. Right. And then you see somebody who's building like, uh, you know, motion graphics, 3D compositing interface. And it's like, <laughs> no, thanks. Yeah. I mean, the, the Blender, the Blender interface is pretty scary, not because it's poorly done, just for the amount of information they have to organize, have to organize. I think they've done it really well, but it's just, <laughs> it's massive. Mm. Yeah, and, and unity is unity is massiver. Is it? I I always feel like it must be. This is gonna sound super naive. I I always feel like it must be easy because it seems like everything's built with it. But it just means I probably just means there's just a whole bunch of really expert animators. I think there's just a whole bunch. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't call it easy at first. I at first I looked at this stuff like I looked at Blender and Richard was doing stuff, or not Blender. Um. Unity. Richard would be doing stuff in Unity and he'd be working in this graphical interface and and I'm like that's weird. It's like it's it's all it's all graphical UI. And I'm like, well, okay, first of all it's not. He's doing a lot of coding behind the scenes too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's but uh, at first I was like, I you know, I couldn't get into that. I just want to write code. I couldn't I don't think I could could learn the UI. But it's like I, I don't know. The UI is just, it's, it's really complicated and, and like you, it requires no less skill to use that graphical interface than it does to sit down and write a line of code. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's crazy. Like if you look at the Cooper's been trying to learn after effects, not trying, I mean, he is learning after effects and I kind of bootstrapped him to do just like, uh, here's how to do a simple thing. And just to get him like started so he could at least make something and then he'll just go explore the tools and like what everything does and watch videos and things. And it's just mind blowing. But so the, the, to bring it to the topic last week in your lion eyes, we talked about the freely available and pretty powerful software that allows people you know, I almost said hackers, they're not really hackers, but let's call them visual artists <laughs> to take a, a famous person's face, or maybe it doesn't anybody's face, really anybody's face who they have lots of pictures of and mm-hmm. superimpose them in a, in a rather realistic, a pretty realistic way on somebody else's body in a video. And after we after we sort of finished after we uploaded that episode and we were sort of talking about it later we kind of went down a rabbit hole of you know what are what are some of the commercial ramifications of this cuz we were really talking about sort of privacy stuff and trust stuff how would you you know if if a president or a world leader comes on and says something in a video on CNN how does anybody know if it was really them anymore 
you know, like, right. you know, what happens when the trust erodes in video, like what, what, what's the backup plan, you know, in real life, that doesn't <laughs> seem like a good backup plan. So but what about using these powers for good? Right. Like what if, you know, and we, and we, we were touching on it a little bit. It was like, well, maybe the web is just going to be for entertainment from now on. And it's not something you trust. It's like just something that that you, you enjoy and pass the time makes you laugh or feel things and all that, which wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But, no. um, you know, I was, I was also, I was having the conversation with Erica about the trust thing and she, she made me stop talking about it cause it was making her nauseous. <laughs> she said, seriously, you have to talk, stop. I'm getting sick because that the idea that, that, I mean, really what news don't you get through the internet, you know? And if all of a sudden you can't trust it, then it pulls the, it, it gave her this sense of vertigo. Like the, the foundation was getting pulled out from underneath everything and you can't trust anything. And then in what that does, I think in a sense is it disconnects you from any, if you doubt everything, then all of a sudden you kind of, you may disconnect from it. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, Oh, okay. We're, we're isolated again. Yeah. You just kind of check out. Right. And so, okay. So we were talking about that was, I think that was mostly the, that was kind of the focus of last week. And then we got talking about like, well, what if, what if this just, you know, what if that, I'm not going to say it works itself out, but what if that doesn't cripple the economy or, you know, <laughs> topple uh, mm -hmm. governments and people start to use it as a tool for good, as you put it. And one of the first things we thought was like, well, you know, body doubles have been a thing in movies for a long time. If there's some stunt or there's some distasteful, you know, nude scene or activity that uh, the actor doesn't want to participate in or can't participate in for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. then they, they can, you know, use air quotes, movie magic to kind <laughs> of put them in the scene. Probably the most famous recent example being Carrie Fisher in what was that? Rogue one at the end of rogue one. So it was like, huh, well, what if we take that a step further and, and somebody like Daisy Ridley just licenses their face for movies and it, you know, it's only $500,000 to license my face. It's, it's 5 million to have me in a movie and have me go show up there and do the whole thing and be on location in Tunisia. Or you can license my face for 500,000 and get somebody who has basically the same body as me. And they, they do all of the acting and then now, you just you, put my face on it. Now, would you still have to like the, the actor, would they still have to like, uh, provide the different facial expressions and, and that sort of things. And it, it feels like there's a, a lot of, especially on screen acting is really subtle. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, the answer is kind of no, like that's what, that's what's nuts about this is it, it would, it would require, here's what's weird. It would require the body double to be a good actor. Okay. So the body double would have to be good, but the, it's kind of like motion capture in a sense but you don't, but you don't have to do the whole like suit thing. So it like, you don't need every example. I suppose the more examples of Daisy Ridley's face you have, the better, you know, the mm -hmm. better it's going to be. That seems to be pretty consistently reported with uh, the deep fakes people. Yeah. So if, I'm you, thinking, I'm thinking of this because if it were, if this were a commercial thing, they could just go in and get some kind of 3d scan done. Right. Yeah. You'd go nuts, you know, take a, a ton of, a ton of pictures from every angle maybe a 3d scan as well. And, and you get an actress 
who, you know, let's just say there's an actress that doesn't look like Daisy Ridley. I think there are a few, but you want Daisy Ridley in the film. Maybe Daisy Ridley, like maybe Daisy, maybe it's an employee of Daisy Ridley who she sends to the shoot and they, they like work together, whatever. It's like a, like a stand-in, like a body double. I mean, this already exists. So you, you go do it and they go, they do the thing. And the, the, Daisy Ridley's features are mapped to the expressions of the actual stand-in. You know, maybe for a feature film, that's too much of a stretch, but for a commercial, you could definitely do that. Yeah, you could definitely do it for a commercial or for a small part. Yeah. Oh, um, I want to do a cameo in the new Coen Brothers movie. Yeah, here's my face. Go for it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) That's crazy. So then we kept going down the rabbit hole and I was like, all right, well, why would you pick Daisy Ridley's face over the body double's face? You know, I mean, really, she's, of course, she's... If the body double's a good actor, then... Right. I mean, obviously, Daisy Ridley is very attractive or whatever you want to call it. Like, there's a certain, certain, um, I don't know, I don't want to get into like anything weird here, but like, they obviously, movie stars are good looking. What, what does good looking mean? All right. So then it's like, okay, maybe the body double isn't as good looking in the face area as Daisy Ridley. But what if we get this gets into like, what does good looking mean? Like, what's the point of it? And if we, if there was a, you know, uh, some sort of reaction, if it helped the reaction, if it helped attendance, like whatever it was, why couldn't somebody manufacture an animated, like a, like a, a cartoon sort of, but mm-hmm. like hyper-realistic cartoon, but just in 2D, but like in many different angles of 2D. So some sort of weird, weird, pleasing mashup of, you know, maybe a few famous people or, or just from whole cloth, like this is just a very attractive face. Like this is the ideal face. And we end up like normalizing on, right? you know, a, a dozen <laughs> really a, what are considered to be effective. I, that's what I want to, I don't want to say good or bad or, or pretty or not pretty. I want to say effective for right, whatever yeah, they're trying to do. Yeah. And there's bound to be all kinds of data that can be used to determine that and, and build the, per, build the perfect face for that situation. Mm-hmm. So let's say you do that. You get your perfect character actor, you get your, your perfect hard boiled detective face. You get your perfect mm-hmm. starlet face, your ingenue face, your leading man face, all of that stuff. You just, and somebody just draws them. And then I was like, oh, wait a second, that's cartoons. <laughs> but cartoons are obviously cartoons. because You know, just because stylistically, they're obviously cartoons. <laughs> but if you think about it, over time, movies, live action movies, have become more and more... Uh, animated not CGI. exactly... The, yeah, CGI is what I'm going for. Yeah. So it's kind of like animated. It's closer to like the video game world, but you still mm-hmm. have these actors in there. And why do you? And I think the answer to that question is because it's not quite good enough yet. But yeah, if it was I mean, a little bit better than... I mean, they're, sorry, go ahead. I think, it, I think the reason why is because it's actually easier to shoot a bunch of act- actors than it is to create something as good... It purely in the digital realm with no analog piece. Yeah, but, there have been a, there have been attempts at that, um, like realistic people and scenes and 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 realistic animation. Um, and it's it's definitely getting better, but you get this kind of uncanny valley hmm. effect. And yeah, yeah, the, the Princess Leia scene in Rogue One was creepy. Yeah, it wasn't quite good enough. But if it was right. better, 
And maybe, maybe one, I mean, honestly, this could just be an approach to making animations better. So like somebody, somebody does an entire animated short, all CGI and, and then overlays celebrity faces into it. it I think it really boils down to quality because it's already not real. I mean, you go to a sci-fi, sci-fi movie, none of it's real. It's funny. And, and actually, now that I say that out loud, I had this conversation with Cooper repeatedly. Okay. It, you know, when he was, he was probably about f- maybe five years old. So not recently, but repeatedly when he was a little bit younger, he would ask me if something was real. Is this real? We'd be watching something. He'd say, is this real? Oh yeah. I remember that. Yeah. I remember him going through that phase. Right. And I was, and I wasn't sure what he meant. And I would be like, well, it really happened. And the, it, you know, this story really happened. It'd be a movie about president Lincoln. Right. Obviously a reenactment to me, mm-hmm. and, but not to him. Is this real? And I'd be like, well, the story is true. You know, there was a president named Lincoln. That's all not this stuff happened to him. And then all this stuff happened to him. That's not him, but that's also a real guy. Yeah. So I'm like, what do you mean? Is this real? Right. You know, I'm like, actors actually did this and, uh, and the story is true, but it's not, but this isn't like a documentary. Like this isn't president Lincoln getting filmed. Right. You're not witnessing the actual thing. Right. So, and it gets even weirder when it's something that is like where it's tough to tell what it's hard to, hard to even describe. So they're say not president Lincoln or, you know, say sticking with that somebody gets shot. Well, did they really shoot that guy? Well, no, that's not real. I mean, that's not real. They didn't yeah. really shoot that guy. It's, it's it's they're acting, right? It gets so weird. It, right. falls, it starts to fall apart. And they're acting, but it did actually happen, but just not to them. Mm-hmm. But they're, <laughs> yeah. So the, the, really what we're talking about with movies is like visual storytelling. So it's a series of images that are being sent to your brain through your eyes and ears that tells a story. So to go back to the word effective, look, how can you most of, you've got a story. The story is either true or not true. It doesn't really matter. It's either a good story. It's not, but you've got a story and you want to tell it. Okay. How am I going to tell it? I could tell it with pure cartoonish animation. I could tell it with, I could get a bunch of actors together and they could learn their lines and they could film it. And it just seems like, it seems like all of a sudden those two different, completely different categories of let's call it filmmaking now suddenly are seeming to me like an implementation detail and they're really just the same thing. It's like visual storytelling. And if there's this thing in the middle where they kind of, it's almost like there won't be a difference. It'll be more like on a continuum. And the, the point being that where does talent come in and is there, you know, will celebrities license their appearance to, make the story more effective or, you know, maybe do a bigger box office, more attractive economically or something like that. Right. Maybe you've, maybe you've got (laughs) your, your next big famous Hollywood actor is someone who's, who's just like horrible to look at, but really good acting, but a really like talented, incredible actor who just happens to partner with someone who looks amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Andy Serkis. I mean, I'm not saying Andy Serkis is terrible to look at. <laughs> just started to say, I think you just insulted Andy Serkis. I, to be honest, I don't even know what he looks like. I just know he's Gollum. So 
and Caesar and, and many other things. Yes. Is he? Yeah. I don't even, I have no idea. I just, you know, they talk about him on Mabim Bam. So I'm familiar with his name, but I don't, I don't think I've ever seen him and it doesn't matter really. He's sort of like, uh, I mean, his, he, he has to do the acting, like the physical part of the acting. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about in that movie, but in this case, the Gollum mask, air quotes, would be mapped onto his facial expressions. And I suspect right. it was probably done that way in Lord of the Rings as well. Yes. So it's it's still important for somebody. To, okay. So but being a good actor is important, but only until, here's the thing. It's only important until we don't have a better way to convey those emotions to an audience. Because well, I mean, that's, if, if Blender that's, had a dial for this... <laughs> It's just cheaper and easier to get Andy Serkis to come in and we'll film him. But that has a lot of, I mean, that has a lot of cons, but there's, but it's currently the only, the, the currently the only slash best way to do it, easiest, cheapest way to do it and still be effective. But if there was a, you know, if there was a way to do it in a, another way that didn't require a whole bunch of people flying to new Tunisia, then you better believe people are going to do it. Right. Uh, it's just, that kind of blows my mind. It's almost like live action is cheap animation, <laughs> which is like, <sighs> that's a, that's a weird way of thinking of it. Uh huh. Like if we could animate, if we could animate it just as well as people can act it, why wouldn't we just animate everything? Because it gives you so much more freedom. Right. Yeah. You could do anything. Yeah. Yeah. But, but we can't animate it as well. Yeah, because acting is is a lot more it's a lot more nuanced. Yes, yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this this <laughs> we had a, we did an episode way back about it was something like like um, movies for an audience of one or or custom movies mm-hmm. or me movies or something like that where you could. So I'm imagining a situation where it becomes user configurable. Like I can pick the actors and actresses who are going to be in this movie almost like you can cast the movie yourself so oh, that's like wild yeah so imagine you're about to watch harry potter and you're like you know i'm kind of sick of daniel radcliffe i want to see uh i don't know whoever i can't think of any stars because i'm too old yeah i can't i was trying to think of, of stars around that age and i'm drawing a blank too yeah so. yeah or do you just want to your go you want to do a goof mashup like for youtube and i just want to see like right Gary Busey as Harry Potter, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and like, or whatever. Uh, Or maybe there's just like a range of, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I mean, this is already, you know, my brother-in-law for a long time worked at a company that would get, they would buy license the masters from really famous musical recordings, usually I think mostly rock recordings and Mm. they would make the, you know, kind of like a, the original PSD of an image or like a, a, you know, a poster or something and allow you to either, you could remix the parts and insert yourself, you know, your own track into, right. into the original. So you could, you know, the obvious example would be to like take the vocal down and do like a karaoke sort of thing. Right. You could like, like weird Al something. Right. So imagine, okay, we're going to, we're going to watch Harry Potter but this time around, it's going to be me and my two friends in the movie. And you get access to it in that way so that you can be like, oh, you know what? I'm going to, or my son and his two friends or whatever. Right. And then it's like this custom, custom fit experience 
that seems super unlikely, super distant, and probably would be a lot more disappointing than it sounds. <laughs> it probably would be. But it it does, it. I mean, you would look at a movie like Harry Potter. I mean, how much of that was real? Like the whole, I mean, I know they did a lot. There, there was a lot of really intense set design, for example. And I'm sure mm-hmm. that costumes were like so much work. But the you can see, you can kind of tell when they're standing in front of a green screen. And there's a lot of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that is that that is a lot of, I don't know what to call it. Is it animation? Is it CGI? What's, what is, I don't even know what that stands for. Computer generated imagery? Imagery, I think, yeah. So like as the line i guess what i'm saying is that the line of how much of it is cgi is moving closer and closer to like the actor's face right it seems like that would be the last the last holdout and then i guess the bigger question is like does it matter like like who cares like if it's good if the uncanny valley effect gets uh gets beat you know mm-hmm. then okay, great. Now all of a sudden movies are cheaper. We can make more of them. We can make them more custom. We can make them for smaller audiences because the costs plummet. That'd be so wild. Yeah. I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm trying to decide if it matters. I don't, I don't, I don't think I care as long as I'm entertained. Right. Yeah. I suppose it, I mean, it, yeah, there, I mean, yeah, there, there are shows or movies or things that I'm otherwise might not have been on my radar that I might watch because a particular actor that I happen to like is in it. Or something, but that it doesn't happen often, right? And it's more of a discovery thing, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's where it starts to matter is what we talked about last week, which is that the the distinction between what's really what's a parody and what's actual news is it will be less distinct. Which that that was really, I think that's what we were talking about last week is that the distinction between a parody and reality is is, is going to be it, they'll be indistinguishable. That becomes very scary. Yeah. I guess to the extent that public opinion matters and, you know, like rogue states reacting to something that was presented as true or indistinguishable from true, but really it was, you know, something the onion put out. <laughs> right. And you're like, oh, great. The onion started World War Three. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, like some days it already feels like we're living in an onion article. Yes. So we get, so the thing about the, the thing about the, um, the sort of licensing your face to use as a mask in a movie is that the voice doesn't come with it. Right. Like automatically that would be a separate thing. So it would be the body doubles voice. Uh, and, and it just sounds pretty hard to imagine, you know, getting the, the actual star to come and voice, voice it over. But it seems like if you could do, if you could do the face thing, then you could probably do the voice thing too. You could you could have a body double, a voice actor, and a face. Yeah, three different three different people doing the one role. <laughs> yeah, that would tr- solve a problem of jobs in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it starts to sound like. I mean, the reason why the I, I'm you know I, that hit me like I was like, oh, man, that seems impossible. But if it was possible, it would be great. And it seems like that's the kind of, you know, like that's the kind of thing machine learning and AI makes possible. It's like mm-hmm. the reason why that sounds like a bad idea to me is because it seems like it would be terrible. <laughs> right. Because it, because right now we can't do that well at all. Yeah. Because it would just be so bad. It would be unwatchable yeah. probably. But what if it wasn't? And then it'd be like, all right, cool. We can, you know, sort of pick and choose like the best voice. Mm-hmm. 
And again, I said best, but I mean the most effective voice for the role, the most effective face for the role, and the most effective body for the role. And I suppose they need to match somewhat, but maybe not. Maybe it doesn't matter. Like, and then you get down to, and again, it's like, well, what if we could just an, illustrate all of this, animate it, flipbook style, mm-hmm. in a way that's so real? I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. I've seen movies like uh, when I think it was the first. Mm, I don't know how. I can't even guess how long ago it was, but there was a Hulk movie in recent memory, which for me is probably a decade ago. Okay. It was like the f- first big Hulk movie, and it was supposed, you know, air quotes, live action. Like they had an actor, right. they had a name actor do it. Right. And I didn't see it, but I saw the trailer, and it looked like a cartoon. And I and the the, the critical reviews said the same thing. They were like, it was too cartoonish. It was like a cartoon. And I am, so there's a line, like there is a line, like you need to get over to a certain level of quality. Mm -hmm. Of course, we're talking about like, you know, a 500 pound muscle, green muscle monster throwing a tank, like a, (laughs) like a hammer. So of course it's kind of cartoonish. The story is cartoonish. Right. But like it's, it's, it's literally from a comic book. Right. So it's a super high bar, but when you throw in this, like when you throw in that, like this development of being able to put anybody's face on somebody on like somebody else's body in a video and make it realistic. And, you know, in six months it being indistinguishable from reality from something that really happened, then it makes you rethink like, well, what maybe it is possible. We just haven't done it yet. Yeah. Or that it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> I'm looking at the chat we had. It was like, it was like, could we actually just have an AI do the podcast for us? <laughs> or, or here's a better question. Dear listener, how do you know that's not what you're listening to? You've never met us. Maybe you've been listening to bots for five years. <laughs> yeah. J-Bot and K-Bot. <laughs> right. We're always talking about the same stuff, basically. Yeah. You know, and yeah, you, I'm sure you think that's funny and you didn't. But what if, what if it, it, it was possible yeah, I mean, right? I'm actually, I'm actually just a small shell script. <laughs> yeah, we joke, but you know, like, what if we feed five years of you and me talking to each other into into some machine learning algorithm, and we throw it a topic? It's going to spit out an episode. It's going to spit out an episode. <laughs> then we could just subscribe to our podcast. Yeah, we could and, listen and, our... and tell it the things we want to to hear about. Right. <laughs> I want to hear me and Kelly talking about the latest tech news. Right. <laughs> what do I think about the latest tech news? <laughs> I want to hear us talking about cloning dogs. <laughs> right. Ah. <laughs> uh, okay. So then, so, okay. Fast forward. That becomes possible. And then who cares? Yeah. Right. I mean, then you get like the talk about an explosion of content then it goes, it gets even more back to the, the, um, I think it gets, it's, it's still all kind of like artifice and curation and, you know, it does kind of boil back down to, okay, but is it going to boil down to good stories? Cause what mm-hmm. we're talking about, everything we're talking about pretty much is like, if we stick to the entertainment space where it's not as scary as the news space, if you stick to the entertainment space, it boils down to creating something enjoyable. And that, I, th- I think 
the core feature of that is stories. But man, I'm reading this book right now called like the seven basics types of story. It feels like you could feed that book into <laughs> the thing and just <laughs> tell each other like amazing killer stories, like remixes of killer stories right. over and over. Yeah. And the, I mean, the main reason it is the way, the reason it is the way it is now is just because we don't have technology that's going to give us the the subtlety and the nuanced acting and expressions and, and that sort of thing that that really makes it something that we can believe and connect with. Yeah. Believability. That's, that feels like an important word here. Like the ability to suspend your disbelief, like it needs to be good enough to suspend the disbelief mm -hmm. and man. Yeah. And in some ways that's, that's easier to do if something is obviously animated. Like if I'm watching a cartoon or a Pixar movie, like you know, toy story or something, you don't question it because you know, okay, that's the way it's supposed to be. I'm just going to enjoy the story because it's, it's not trying to be realistic. Yeah. It's take it for granted. It's not trying to convince you. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like a premise is a core proposition right. of this medium. Right. It's like, if you're going to go into this, you have to like step into this imaginary world for a while. Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't know. I think it's pretty, this, so if you, if we stay away from the news, cause we talked about that last time from an entertainment standpoint, this feels like solid gold, you know, <laughs> like this feels, yeah. feels like it could be really cool. Really, really it's cool. Good enough. I think it's good enough. Yeah. Yeah. I was just reading that, uh, Netflix, Netflix announced 700 original shows for 2018. They're working on seven. Not, not, I don't think they'll be released not in 2018. Not different shows, like total episodes? No. 700 different shows that are, they're going to start. I, I, I might have read it wrong. Maybe you're right, but I don't think so. I That's think it's, insane. Yeah. They're, they're, it's something like they're putting like $2 billion into it or something. And, you know, because they're like, oh, this more content works. Like, <laughs> like if we have more, right. like, and they don't care. They're like, we'll take content from someone else. We'll buy it from you. Oh, wait, it's really expensive from you. Oh, it's cheaper mm -hmm. for us to just make some. Right. And you have to imagine that's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy or a virtuous cycle because the talent will end up going there instead of going somewhere else first because they appear to have, they appear to be very friendly to talent, you know, to the, to right. the creatives. They're like, yeah, do whatever you want. What do you want to do? Yeah, 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 that'll sell. Go ahead. No pilot, none of that. Just do it. Yeah. Here's the money that you need to do it. And, you know, it was sort of like, sort of like back you, sort of like VC for TV shows. And yeah, the number was definitely 700, but I didn't, it didn't occur to me that they might have meant individual episodes, but I, that's not how I took it. It, the, the thrust of the article was more about like 700 individual. And I think some were movies, like full length movies, but mm -hmm. it was mostly shows, like serial type of episode, episodic content. And, yeah, I mean, I mean, they are doubling down on that. So if you imagine, same thing. It's like, well, what yeah. if, what if they could, what if an algorithm could spit that stuff out? Right. And then it's just like an endless, it would almost, it would almost by definition, it's almost like I wouldn't have to mm, provide granular input about what I wanted a particular movie to contain. Like, oh, I want the DeLorean from Back to the Future and I want, uh, I don't know, uh, Tom Cruise and, and then, you know, I mix all these things in and then I say, okay, give me a story. And then say, okay, here's ready player one. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> and, uh, I heard there's a new trailer that I haven't seen yet. There is. It's really good. Uh, should I watch it or should I not watch it? I, I want to watch it. 
Um, I don't think, I mean, obviously, you know the plot, so you don't have to worry about it spoiling anything. That's true. You can just watch it and enjoy the eye candy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, good point. I'm going to watch it. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I think that's a very granular approach. But if if you flip it around in, in Netflix, who knows their way around a cloud computing uh, environment, mm-hmm. by the way. Who's it, already using AI to tell me which shows I might like. Mm-hmm. So let's say that they use AI to create 7,000 new shows this year. And maybe they start out all being animated, or maybe they start out being a mix of CGI and live action, or maybe they, you know, who knows? But if if this actually worked, it would kind of have the same effect where where they could go in and just present me with the things that they're pretty sure I'm going to like. Right. And they're pretty sure that I'm going to like it because they created them based on my preferences already. So it would kind of have the same effect, you know, sort of a shotgun approach where mm-hmm. they're, they're creating just so much stuff that there's always something that you can be like, man, that was so good. So I, this, so from, from a purely entertainment standpoint, this seems like, I mean, we're already almost painfully not bored, but it's not like we need yeah. it, but yeah. Yeah. It's, it's almost to the point where, I mean, it's almost already to the point where it feels like there's so much out there that I just, I've gotten to the point where I'll start watching a new show on Netflix or, or wherever. And like, if it doesn't grab me within the, like the first 10 minutes of the first episode, that's it. I'm done. Mm-hmm. Just move on to something else. I don't care. Yeah. And I, maybe I'm missing out on some great TV that way, but mm. eh. lately I've been, there's some, there's some shows on Netflix that appear to be extremely popular. I'm thinking of Narcos mm-hmm. and I don't, it, it takes someone for me to go watch something. It takes multiple people urging me to go watch it before I'm going to do it. <laughs> Yeah. Like I, not just one person. It needs to be multiple people. And eh, that's not true. Sometimes you'll recommend like a book and I'm like, okay, I have to read that. But you know, so people that you really trust with a particular, in a particular space, but usually it takes like, like people need to be talking about something like, oh, you really have to watch House of Cards or whatever it is. Like so great. And because uh, there's so much to choose from, I'm not going to take the chance to even waste the 10 minutes. Right. The scarier thing for me is I'll kind of like it and then I'll get hooked on it and it's not even that good, but I'll like, cause I feel kind of like get sucked in. Yeah. I, it's like, I, I'm going to probably anger people, especially nerds, but I kind of feel that way about arrow. It's mm-hmm. pretty good, but it's not amazing. Right. You know? And it's like, uh, I don't know. I'm going to anger a lot more people. I felt that way about game of Thrones. Oh, you read the books though. No, I didn't. You, I thought you did. No, I I stay as far away from George R. R. Martin's writing as I can. Oh, that's why I thought you read him because you're familiar with his writing. Yeah, I I attempted once. Yeah, no, I can see that. Erica didn't like Game of Thrones either. Yeah, she only watched the first episode and she's like, mm, not for me. Yeah, I got I watched into like almost the end of season two, and it's just like, eh, I'm enjoying this, but not enough to put the mental effort into keeping up with everything hmm. that's going on because there's a lot going on in it. Yeah. It's like, it's not a show you can veg out to. Right. Yeah. You almost need to be taking notes. Yeah. I, I can see that. I can see that. I enjoyed it, but I, I like binged watch the thing. So I feel like, I don't know right. if I would have been as sucked in if I was watching it in real time, but. Like week to week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it, it, there's no shortage of entertainment, but maybe, and I don't, uh, it's a little bit hard to imagine that that sort of shotgun approach we were talking about would result in higher quality no i don't think it would i think you would 
overall get lower quality. Yeah, but it, it raises. It, you know, maybe maybe you wouldn't because you if it's all done by an AI and AI is not going to get like tired and have creative burnout and just get to a point where like it doesn't care. <laughs> right. Like, what if the you know I'd just pick someone like um, Neil Blom, Blomkamp is that his name or like or Spielberg? Like we have a Spielberg AI. Okay, it's just like churning out ET over and over, like like right. crazy powerful like emotional content i'm just randomly said et because i was talking about it earlier today but you know i'm not saying that's the best movie ever but but you know something like um i mean raiders was great Mm -hmm. i thought that was a great movie and i like imagine if like a movie that good or you know insert dear listener insert whatever your favorite movie is what if a movie that good would come out every week that would be awesome you think you'd you'd burn out i don't think you'd appreciate them as much could be. It could be that it's awesome because it's a little bit better than everything else it, it that's stands out. It stands out. It stands out, right? Yeah, it does kind of bring into the. It, it brings into question like, is there an absolute value or is it all relative? Probably it's all relative. I've never seen anything that's an absolute value, so it probably is all relative. And then it just becomes this like. It's just going to raise the bar, and mm. then you're going to like stuff something that's amazing. Now is just going to be. Meh. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So the moral of the story is appreciate what we have now and then you know, have, like, where does progress don't want happen? Too much of a good thing there. <laughs> yeah, like where does progress happen? I guess you know what I mean? Like things have to get air quotes better or whatever that means. Right. It'll be you know, it'll be a generational thing. Like Cooper Cooper and, and Maggie. Here's a here's a here's a new media story. We should probably wrap up soon, but here's a quick new okay. media story. So on this guy's mailing list, his name is Bob Lefsetz, and he's been writing a thing called the Bob Lefsetz Letter for so long that it used to be mimeographed and stapled together. Okay. And distributed to people in the music industry, monkey mucks in the music industry. And so he's kind of like uh, a, uh, not an, yeah, he's sort of like an analyst on the music business. And he writes this letter. I love the way he writes. He's, he's very bombastic and iconoclastic and all of those astics. Mm-hmm. And he keeps on. So lately he's been talking about, you know, the Grammys don't get it. They need to change the format to be like something, you know, to focus on more hip hop or whatever. And he's saying mm-hmm. how streaming is where it's at and hip hop owns streaming because they embraced it and the rockers all, you know, resisted it. And so that's why rock's dead and all this. Stuff. And I'm like, and he kind of, I think he kind of sees, I, I think he would agree with me if I said this, but the music business is dead. Not everybody's got the memo yet, but the music business is a, is a combination of a recorded, a physical recorded audio mechanical, in fact, that's what mm-hmm. they call it, and radio, terrestrial radio. Those two things are mu- are like the music business as as I knew it, like in the 90s right. when I was in music school. If you take away one of those things or one of those things ceases to matter or is not that relevant or certainly is not the most relevant thing, the music business is gone. I mean, Napster did it. Napster did it. And it's just taking all of this time to kind of wind down. There's also the live touring thing. I I hold that separately. I don't see that as the music business exactly. I think record companies and record companies and radio have a symbiotic relationship. And as one declines, the other shall too. So he, but he, but he is, he does like to keep his ear out for modern things. And so he's, he's talking about this, you know, he's, cause he's constantly like, 
right now he's like, there's no discovery mechanism. There's so much stuff on Spotify. He's obsessed with Spotify. There's so much stuff on Spotify. I can't find anything. Right. It's like nobody goes there anymore because it's too crowded. You know, it's like, how do you, how do you find anything on Spotify? So he seems to be, he seems to be arguing that there needs to be a better discovery method so that these people can get fed into the old music business and handled by music business people who understand how these things work instead of (laughs) old music. And I'm like, dude, they don't need the music business anymore. The business piece. So they they don't need that, that archaic chunk of the industry. Right. And maybe he sees that. I don't know, but he still talks about hits and I don't think hits exist anymore either in the music business sense. But so here's a funny story. So, so he's talking about all this, like he's talking about, Oh, I had dinner last night with, um, you know, Logan Paul's manager, like, you know, Logan Paul's manager before he shot his foot off and, you know, Mm -hmm. figuratively and, and the manager of an act called Marshmallow, like not Marshmallow, but Marshmallow. Yeah. And, and I've never heard of this before. And he's like, and, and they're talking about, you know, that guy's talking about like, you know, you need to release every day on YouTube. And he's like, like the, the artist, this musical artist is doing cooking videos one minute cooking videos. Hmm. And he's like, well, every day, how do you, well, he goes, how do you release something every day? And he's like, just do something, anything. We're doing cooking videos right now. He's like cooking videos. He's like, yeah, if somebody's not, if, if you don't release something every day, if, if what, what was the quote? If they're not watching you, they're watching someone else. I was like, Oh, okay. I see that. I see that behavior in the kids. Like mm-hmm. they, they watch YouTube like TV. So like, yeah, I do too. Yeah. I, I, I don't watch TV anymore. I, I watch YouTube. Right. Take that, Steve Jobs. So, okay. So the, uh, so, okay. So I'm like, let me check this thing out. And it's like a pop song and you know, whatever it's, it's like a, a, a pop song featuring some artist. Right. And, and so there I am. I'm like, well, it's like, okay, whatever. So Cooper from the other room, right? I'm in the living room. He's in the, in the kitchen. He goes, why are you watching Marshmallow? <laughs> This is the same kid who couldn't name a musician when I asked right. him a couple of weeks ago. I was right. like, what if, what if a famous musician came to play at our house? And he was like, you mean like DJ Janer, who's like a, 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 an animator who does music for behind his anime? He, he couldn't think right. of anyone. He doesn't see him as a musician. He sees him as a YouTuber. Yeah. And it's like, and they're going to go straight. For, and then this guy, this mar- the reason it came up is this marshmallow guy is like selling out 15,000 seats for three, three day stand in LA. Like, and no one's ever heard of him, but somehow he's, you know, he's like, right. Yeah, anyway, right. somehow. Yeah. So the, the I, okay. That was a total rabbit hole, but I just loved that. Like an eight year old was just, Oh yeah. Everybody knows about that. Like, <laughs> How'd you know about that? I've watched his videos. Okay. So like the point, point being, since we're talking about entertainment, the point being like the, the, I think the stuff that you and I are kind of going back and forth about with like, oh, you know, that's not realistic or that wouldn't be persuasive or blah, blah. like, it's not going to like kids that are eight right now, they're not going to think about any of that stuff. It's just going to be the way it is. Yeah. You know? And when they get to the, when they get to, you know, to be like the mainstream buying age, you know, twenties and thirties, let's say you know, disposable income, your first big job, or, or if that even works like that anymore. They're, that's not even, like, the stuff we're talking about that is probably going to be laughable. They're going to be like, what? Because they're all going to be inside the Oasis, and they're going to be like, live action, animation, what are you talking about? Right. <laughs> it's all going to be... Yeah, and, and by the time they're creating it, it's all, yeah. I don't know. 
kids these days. <laughs> have we exhausted ourselves? I think we have. <laughs> have I exhausted you? <laughs> Definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm zoned out. <laughs> yeah, sorry. You know me. Yeah, I'm sitting here like, how can I fix that webhook? <laughs> sorry. Uh, yeah, it's so, okay. We'll leave it there. <laughs> I had a big rant in in our Slack room, so we need to get yeah. that off our chest. Yeah, it was funny. I'm, I, do you, you feel better now? I do. Okay, yeah. good. Yes. Good. So this, this therapy session has been successful. Yes. This podcasts okay. are turning into my therapy. Next week, yeah, you- Next week we talk about cloning dogs. Okay, you can you can send me the the three hundred dollars for my hourly fee now. Fair enough. <laughs> How does that make you feel? Yes, tell me about your mother. Yes. Why I keep saying that to you? Why do I keep doing that? No, that's creepy. Yeah. So okay, that's definitely time to put a fork in it. <laughs> that's our show for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaber. And we hope you join us again next week for my therapy session on Terrifying Robot Dog. Bye. Bye.